Hello, welcome to the uh, the second first episode of the No Breaking Podcast. That's the one. It's it's the uh, the No Breaking Podcast. No breaking, whatever you want to call it. We uh, we prefer no breaking. Sure. Because, I mean, it is car-related, right? Yeah, I mean, tangentially, sure. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Kyle Hyatt. And this is James McKeon. Jimmy McKeon, Cub Reporter. That's right. We are your hosts for the No Breaking Podcast. The and hostfuls th- with the mostfuls. That's right. And this time, it's just us, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah, we, we thought we owed you guys an explanation as to uh, who we are and maybe why you should be listening to us blather. And why we got here. Yeah, how we got to James McKeon's beautiful, pristine dining room. That's right. That's right. We came a long way out of the basement. And we've made it all the way to the dining table. And some of us even have food in front of us. That's true. That's true. Chips. In, but not in like the crunchy Dorito uh, uh, fashion. No, no. Because as you might hear, James has a bit of an accent. He means something completely different. Your freedom fries, one might say. Yes, indeed. God bless America. That's right. But these are more smashed chips than anything else. And they're not deep fried. That's they're true. They're baked. We're healthy here. It's true. It is, it is California, right? Natch. So, yeah, basically, this is a podcast about cars and motorcycles and car culture and... Automotive um, culture? And sure. bike culture? And just generally being kind of unsuitable for most of humanity because yeah. we're, we're just, uh, we're useless and we're obsessed with things that, that move under their own power, that roll and go. Or sometimes don't even move under their own power. We can just ogle them from afar. That's which true. Which you're more than... Accustomed to Kyle with the big baby. Yeah, yeah. That's, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. So let's let's start off with a little bit of background. James, how did you get here? Well, to be fair, I got here from just coming up from upstairs, where I've been most of the day working out of my office. So that, that is true. You got, uh, you got me how, there. You got. How did you get here, Kyle? Well, I mean, I took uh, I took the Sixth Street to La Brea. Yeah, in your. Yeah. What vehicle are you in now, Kyle? Oh, I'm in. I'm in my real job. Uh, I'm an automotive journalist, and we have a long-term Kia Stinger GT, and I took that, and it's quite nice. But it's going away soon, unfortunately. Oh, when's it going away? Nineteenth. Ah, uh, and then what do you get? Nothing. Ugh. for a while, and I don't know until we get another long-term car in LA. You know, the little guy in the totem pole. It happens. Hey, at least you got it though. You've had it for like a month, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've had fun with it. It's and you've stuff. had been. You've stuck totally to the speed limits wherever you've gone. Of course, I'm not a monster. No, Mm-mm. no. Uh, but yeah, no. How, how did uh, how did how did we get to know each other? How did you start podcasting, James? That's people want to know. Well, I guess if they hadn't weren't aware or they haven't followed me from my former hosting duties of the Car Stories YouTube series, mm. which is sadly moved away into going into driving with Dana now, and now as a result. But let's be honest, Dana is more interesting than both of us. He, combined he is but let's also be honest Carl. you and i are more interesting than any of the guests that he's probably going to have yeah that's on a, driving with dana that's absolutely true so it's you know it's swings and roundabouts one might say that's six true. of one half does of the other mm-hmm. it's true so and then how did we meet kyle uh well there's a funny story we uh we met on a podcast yeah, that, we, that what... we used to do we used to james and i used to do and many of you may have uh come over from there uh, but uh, we used to host the Car Stories podcast, which was uh, done by the Peterson Automotive Museum. Yeah. And uh, I think we did like almost 100 episodes under our belts. Yeah, we did a lot. We did a lot of uh, fine podcasting work there. We interviewed uh, some pretty cool people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the museum decided that uh, podcasting was not the way of the future. And um, so now we're doing it ourselves because, you know, we're hip. We're with it. We just like it so damn much. We do. We really enjoy it. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, former Car Stories listeners, welcome. And yeah. for everybody else... Welcome. 
Yeah, you can you can be here too. Hello. Hi. Good to meet you. Mm-hmm. How did you get into cars, James? Well, I think I've been interested in cars for a long time. I think it started with my father. You know that special person, don't you, Carl? Oh, God. Nigel McKeon. Shout out. Love that guy. And you're looking forward to meeting him when he comes and makes his big trip, right? I am. Is that still happening? Is that, was that August? Yes. Oh. August, September. He'll be here. Four it's weeks. It's going to be glorious. He might even be a special podcast guest. Who knows? I hope so. I, I think I've told you this before, but I always picture the um, the Pelican from Finding Nemo who's, I think his name was also Nigel. Mm-hmm. That's why I picture your dad, because I've never seen a picture of him. That is that. That is pretty much spot on, to yeah. be honest. That's uh, I don't think that his beak can hold as much as his belly can, though. Well, that's fine. I mean, I mean it in a nice way. It's I'm not being, you know, I would not I would never cast aspersions. But he is very much looking forward to going and checking out the, your friends, former friends at Pelican Parts. Oh, well, we can certainly set that up. Yeah, so then he could be Nigel the Pelican at Pelican Parts. He could. I so, think they'd, they'd be interested in that, I think. That's brand synergy, James. I know. We're yeah. trying to keep it here. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, now that we're entrepreneurs, we're podcast entrepreneurs. Yeah, we gotta, I know. We've got to count that those millions, that's those right. millions of uh, whatever it is coming in. That's right. That's right. So yeah, tell us about how Nigel McKeon got you interested in cars. So Nigel McKeon had an affinity for English sports cars. As one does. He is an Englishman. Yeah. So that, that seems that fits. Yeah. He also lived down the street from an exotic automotive dealer at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, once he f- kept seeing these uh, Ferraris and Aston Martins and Lamborghinis occasionally parked on his street, he thought, hey, uh, something's, something's unusual here. So he went and talked to the gentleman, and, and by the end of it, he ended up finding himself in a, in a Lotus. Yeah, boy. What Lotus was that, James? The Lotus Europa. Godly truckster. Shout out to our friend at Sharkworks there, Alex, who has a lovely Europa. Yeah, that's, that's weird. To, to picture the thing, like, you know, he's got the all the crazy GT cars and so on, and he's keeping it real. And the Mini. And the, oh, is the Mini, too? Yeah. I didn't know that. I think he's, he's posted a picture of it recently. If he's not, then so maybe he's just borrowing it, but he's got the Mini and the two Lotuses. Well, we'll have to pester that when we drive up to uh, the Bay Area and record live at Sharkworks. Yeah, I think he'd be very interested in that, and I know that my dad was looking forward to going out for a spin. He said uh, Alex was all about that. Alex is a peach of a man. Shout out. To Alex Ross. Alex Sharky Ross. That's right. Mm-hmm. The most sharkiest man I know. That's right. Uh, so yeah, so your your Nigel McKeon ended up in that most practical of all lotuses. Yeah, and he didn't have just one. He had three. Well, you need three because, you, you know, there, the second you start using one, it starts returning to the earth. Oh. So you have to, it's kind of like a shell game. I think he, he, at the time, as they were quite modern back then, he always likes to think that if the world's greatest footballer, Georgie Best, could have one, then it's good enough for Nigel McKeon almost. That's that stands to reason. Yeah, I don't know who Georgie Best is, and football means something different to me. Uh, but I'll go with it. Just go with it, Carl. I feel good about yeah. it. Yeah. So obviously he had an affinity for cars, um, and that moved into other things. And when I got old, old enough to attend to be dragged along to motor racing events, I got to go see some of the uh, GT racing back in the day with the McLaren F1 and the mm. Porsche GT1 and the Mercedes GTR. CLK GTR. So uh, that's where I really sort of form my real attachment to it with that racing race and it's going a, on from there. It's a good uh, it's a good period. Yeah, it was a great period in racing. It was also the time when you'd try and be able to go in the paddock and sneak in and do things like that that my dad was a big fan of. That makes perfect sense, knowing like you and how you like to uh, wantonly disregard rules. <laughs> there are no rules. That's rules. right. It's like <laughs> rules. Outback, every time it's like Outback Steakhouse with James, James McKeon. That's right. No rules, just right. Um... Kyle, though, what about you? How did you manage to get into this uh, world of the automotive arts? 
I don't really like cars that much, you know? Just uh, thought it would be a cool way to meet chicks. Um, I thought it was actually the opposite, and it was kind of not the meeting chicks part, but you just wanted to spend money. That's, yeah, that's true. That's probably it. No, um, yeah, as a, as a kid, uh, my dad did... Uh, he, he worked for a company that was contracted to do corner worker radios mm-hmm. um, at what was then called SIR, Seattle International Raceway, but is now Pacific Raceways. And um, he would go out when the uh, vintage racing club, Sovereign, or the uh, Motorcycle Road Racing Association, Wormra, were, uh, were having their meets. And um, he would, uh, you know, schlep radios around the track and, and make sure everybody was able to talk to one another. And um, I got to go a lot of the time. So I grew up kind of around a lot of these weird, like, unprofessional racing people. And it was fabulous. And uh, I got my first ride in a race car when I was, you know, just knee high to a leprechaun, as they say. There you go. It was a, a Volvo 122, which is kind of a weird first race car to ride in. But, it, it certainly is. But it was great. Um, and yeah, I've been sort of obsessed and unfit for anything else since. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, since then, I've just, I've, I've worked in cars, the car industry my whole life. And um, I'm I'm now a journalist, kind of. A real journalist, whereas me, on the other hand, still a hack journalist, unfortunately. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Make up stories all the time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, let's uh, what talk, automotive history. What 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 are some cool cars that, you, that you've had as you made your way through the world? Well, I've had definitely no cool cars in my career. I mean, I had the Nissan Pulserari. I mean, that's how I started. Now, was that is that an SR twenty in that? Uh, no, no, no. What is that? That is. What do you got? Uh, that was the one point six EFI engine. It wasn't okay. particularly uh, powerful there, mm-hmm. but with the help of maybe wrangling a few bits and bobs, they could squeeze a CA. Uh, what is it? The CA eighteen DET mm-hmm. in there from the one eighty SX that okay. was unsold there in, in Japan and in Australia. So that gives a little more gumption. Sure. So that was in the uh, Sylvia before the SR20 okay. DET. All right. But if anyone's out there wants to know, I am in the lookout for uh, Pulsar GTIR. So if anyone's got one, wants mm-hmm. to let me have one, happily take it off their hands. Did they ever bring those over here? Uh, now you can with a 25-year rule. Oh, okay. All right. So there's never ever a U.S. import? No, no. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Well, that's that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good car. Well, yeah, So, but that's how it started. And then after that, it was a case of really um, missing out on a lot of cars for a lot of time because I was living in Japan and New Zealand where I went without a car for several years. Hmm, which is weird because both of those places are kind of car crazy. They are, they are. But in my situation, it was kind of difficult to get. I didn't have a license in Japan. To get the Japanese license, you need to be able to read and write Japanese, and that was unfortunately beyond my skill set. Hmm. So, I mean, I could take the Hachiroku up the Toge and do some Wangan runs quite fine, but... Sure. I didn't have the piece of paper that let me do that. Sure. That makes sense. You couldn't get like an international driver's license? They were only good for two months. Just keep getting them. No, if they, they don't let you after like three. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So um, it just meant that when I moved to New Zealand, I got to spend a lot of time in rental cars. There you go. The world's fastest cars. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing as fast on the road as a rental car. <laughs> and I got to find out how you could maybe bounce the off the rev limiter and things like that in a uh, Holden Barina. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it's good times. But Kyle, you, on the other hand, have a much more eclectic car collection in your past than I do. Yeah. I made so a, where do you want to start? made a lot of decisions. A lot of bad decisions. Well, some may say bad. Yeah. Others may say wonderful. Okay. Yeah, let's... Well, we can start at the beginning. Um, my first car was a 1983 Mazda RX-7 GSL. Mm-hmm. 
It was a wonderful, just a, be- a deep hue of, of baby poop brown. Okay, perfect um, color. The sunroof leaked, so the interior smelled a bit like a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a five-speed car with a 12A, made 100 horsepower. <sighs> yeah, really good stuff. Um, I, uh, I sold that, and then uh, I got a Honda Accord, a 1987 Honda Accord LXI. Oof. Yeah. I you know top trim that's that, that's, that eye makes all the difference it does and um, I crashed that okay that's the only car I've ever actually wrecked okay uh, it was terrible uh, the car not the wreck okay and then I replaced that with uh, with an Audi with with a two hundred turbo Quattro uh, okay. nineteen eighty seven and um, that was uh, the biggest pile of crap okay uh, the seats were like eighteen way power adjustable but you couldn't move the steering column ah. Uh had a three-speed automatic but it was a you know all-wheel drive turbocharged five-cylinder mm-hmm. just a lot of real weird decisions by sure. the vag group uh there and eventually the crank started to uh, des- decide that it wanted to walk back and forth and it would snap an alternator belt every other day okay so, which isn't ideal no but i got really fast at changing them well that's good yeah always good to learn these new things skills that you didn't know you had yeah and i've obviously lost that skill but uh yeah i got rid of that and uh, I replaced that with uh, a 1977 Alfa Romeo Alfetta because mm-hmm. I wanted something reliable to get and around town. When you say, when I think reliability, the first thing I think of is Alfa Romeo. Yeah, and ironically, I mean, that was actually a pretty reliable car. That that twin cam um, motor was pretty solid. Uh, it did have a problem with heat soak. So if I'd driven it for a while, the starter didn't like to work because uh. it lived right under the exhaust manifold. Yeah, perfect placement. Yeah, but the car is really light, so I just push start it all the time. There you go. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great. I, by the end of the summer uh, that I bought that car, I, I was pretty pretty fit. <laughs> um, so that was good. And then uh, what did I have after that? I got that's when I started getting into Volvos. Ah, when this is obviously from your first trip and a Volvo race car I was like, you know it what was I, need? I, I bought a 1966 Volvo 122. Uh, there you off, go. Off Craigslist in Portland for eight hundred dollars. Bargain. It was, yeah. I went through it. Um, somebody taught me how to to clean and tune the SUs. Uh, I never had a carbureted car. Actually, that's not true. The RX-7 was carbureted, but it was like a weird emissions carburetor. And the, sure. The, nobody wants to look at that. No, no. Um, and it was great. And then that got stolen. And then I had a pair of 240 turbo wagons. Okay. Um, one of which died very quickly because it was like rusty and crappy and I only paid 500 bucks for it. And then because I wanted to upgrade, I paid $500 for another one. But it had 300,000 miles on it. But the previous owner had lavished much love and attention in the form of a Canadian market only B23F turbocharged engine with fully forged internals. Well, that's perfect, right? For yeah. $500? Oh, yeah. Oh, it was great. It was great. It still had the four-speed plus Laycock de Normanville uh, overdrive, mm-hmm. which is great. Had a water-cooled turbo from a, a 740 Volvo. Um Manual boost controller, which I, I added. Um, <laughs> which it needed, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had a limited slip uh, out of a Jeep front axle. Okay. Um, which was pretty silly. Because it's, it's a Dana Dana 30 or a Dana 60? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But it was a Dana axle and limited slip. And um, I called it the Snow Weasel. Mm-hmm. And it was delightful. And um, eventually it caught on fire. So I sold it to a, an unsuspecting young lad. And hopefully for more than $500? No, actually, I sold him for $350 because oh. it, it was really in sad shape. And I was like, I'm going to do this kid a favor. He's a friend of my sister's. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So to teach my sister a lesson to never ask me for help with a car thing, I sold her friend the worst car. I and, could, yeah. and how's that going for you, Kyle? Good. I, you know, all things are, everything's fine. We're fine here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, God, what else did I have? 
I had another turbo Volvo. I had a V7 AT5 with a manual boost controller. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. And then I got into BMWs, and it was kind of all downhill from there. That was a bad decision. And that's why you just decided to give your money away. Yeah, now I'm into Mercedes. and Not for long. No, we're going to still be into Mercedes. Well, yes, that's true, but not this one. No, no, the the, the big baby who Car Stories listeners may remember, um, that's probably going to be going soon. That's my 1970 SE sedan. So, so I'm probably going to hit hit the mean streets of bring a trailer in the next uh, probably the next month or so. Yeah, so it's a celebrity-owned vehicle now, <laughs> super, obviously. Super internet famous. Yeah. And I've, I've been in the background of several important internet videos. Yes. And uh, I was present at the 200th episode taping for the Smoking Tire podcast. I mean, I've been around, James. Yeah. And uh, I believe it also was an ex-Peterson Museum vehicle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it did spend some time in the vault. Yeah, certainly. So mm-hmm. there you go, Carl. And it has that very, very, uh, the common... Every single one of them. Paint crack. Right in the back. On right the there back, left-hand yeah. corner there. Yeah, that's a little inside baseball for people. But uh, yeah. So anyway, I've had a lot of weird, stupid cars. And, and now I also have a British motorcycle, which mm-hmm. I love. Yep. Um, and it's the most reliable thing I've had in years. So things are good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're. I, I feel like we. I give us at least a B plus. We're both like relatively reasonable car people. What do yeah. You... I mean, I've got the the Fiat five hundred E, but it does have the R compound race tires on. Yeah, that's the that's the important part of that equation. And the Italian racing wheels, also important because it's, it's an Italian car. So <laughs> it has to have Italian wheels on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we do okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah. So I mean. Uh, apart from like the, the the cars that we've owned and how we've how we've got into it, what are the sort of things that kind of get you excited about cars right now? Like, what what kind of car cultures are you really into at the moment? Well, I have to say that I still enjoy my drifting culture, um, and I think that as you'll get to, I'm sure when we flip this back to you, is how nice the people from the drifting world are. Oh, they're lovely, very nice. Also, having spent I've read the chance to go on track for a few days, it's been very nice to be on track. Preferably in someone else's car. That does help. That is always the best one, I think. It's a little nerve-wracking to go on track in your own car, particularly if you've driven that car to the track and are relying on it to drive home. Well, there's that, and then also in case something breaks on it. Before or after, maybe. Oh, sure. Or even preparing it for said track with maybe important things like maybe new brake pads and check everything down like that. Those are critical. But someone else's car, you're reliably trusting someone else to do that for you, so all the work's gone. You just have to get up there and just hopefully not have a crash. Yeah, that sounds fine. I'll go with that. So, yeah, so that's really what I've been up to mostly the last few days. The last few weeks, I could say. Days, weeks, years, months. Yeah. Whatever. Bring it in that way. And, Carl, what about you? I know you've been going more two-wheel action. Yeah, I've been riding a lot of motorcycle stuff or doing a lot of bike stuff lately, which is great. It's kind of my new obsession. Um, But apart from that, like, uh, I'm not super... I'm not a drift guy, but everybody that we've met has been great. And it's it's an interesting sport. Um, I really like uh, vintage racing. Yes, so that's kind of my thing. Um, what era of the vintage racing is it for you, though, Carl? Oh, that's tough. There's a couple golden ones. So there's the uh, the Group C era, late nineteen, mid to late nineteen eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, that also kind of ties in with the uh, the IMSA um, uh, endurance racing of that time too, in, here in the states. And then also sort of sixties, seventies kind of endurance racing, Le Mans, that kind of thing. Not really into open wheel. I like kind of um, sports cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, when I look back at mine, I'd say it's kind of similar for me, but I'd be looking at the GT series as opposed to the Group C and the IMSA series. Yeah, which is, I mean, right after. Yeah. So yours, mine has, like, you know, que- really questionable safety. Yours has super questionable arrow. Everybody yeah. wins. Yeah, exactly. See? Shout out to Mark Weber. <laughs> yeah, friend. Yeah, clearly. Uh, but yeah, so that's there's that. And then in terms of just, like, cultures, um, 
really, really, really love seeing lowriders. Mm-hmm. Um, the Peterson opened an exhibit uh, of lowriders last year, and it's one of the best things ever. It's, it's just cool. It's, it's so really exciting. Like the 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 care and attention that that goes into making those cars is unbelievable. Um, and the stories that they kind of accrue as they go through time. I mean, they're they're oftentimes multi generational, um, which I think is really fascinating as well. And then, um, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, motorcycle culture, just because everybody's the nicest person really in the nice. entire world. And they're so evangelical about like getting people onto a bike and, and trying to make it not a scary experience. And um, that's been huge. That's been really, really great. I mean, shout out to uh, Abby from Bicurious mm-hmm. um, for being my motorcycle rabbi. Yep. Yeah. He is a good guy. And maybe one day we might be able to coax him on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he and I are going to be doing another podcast together as well, too. So there's going to be some crossover. It'll be sweet. Whoa. Yeah, I know. We're gonna. It's a, it's an empire. Um, empire of dirt. Once you go, you can't stop, Cal. That's Big true. Big wheels keep on turning. That's that's absolutely right. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful sentiment. It is. But I think we should also try and get our listeners to give us some ideas on who they want us to try and see or what do they want us to do on this podcast. I mean, we're going to bring guests on. Yeah. Right. It's, I swear. I promise you that there will be. Almost no episodes where James and I just sit and talk to Unless each other. Unless we're really struggling. Yeah. But Oh, we've done something super fun. But we're interested in talking to people and understanding their stories and their, their feelings on, on cars and, and car Bikes culture or and anything. so on. Um, and uh, frankly, people are more interesting than us. So Yeah. So that's so there's anyone that you want to see on here, you can let us know. Mm-hmm. Since we've got a few connections, Kyle. A couple. We can sometimes pull some strings. A couple, two, three. Yeah. You know. So... I guess we try and do what the people want. We'll try and deliver on that. I, ref- can be I refuse podcast. to cater to these people, James. Don't, don't, don't direct our audience directly or address our audience directly. It sickens me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We can break the fourth wall. Hey, guys. Yeah, exactly. We love um, you guys. Yeah, but no, yeah, seriously, um, we're, we're generally easy to get a hold of. Um, if you have suggestions, um, you know, definitely don't be shy about, about giving them. If, if you guys can, can think of somebody you know who you'd love to see on the podcast who's maybe interesting. Yeah. You know, if it's it, uh, very few ex- examples uh, where we would say that's not a good fit. Um, but definitely, yeah, definitely shoot us a line. Yeah, because you can find us probably. Is that even a for shoot us a li- drop us a line? That's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, if they want us to, sh- we don't really want anyone to shoot us, Kyle. I've uh, I've had get one lime Lacroix in me and <sighs> all over the place. That's just just sloppy. I know that's what happens. But they could probably find us uh, on the Facebook page. Yeah, or the website. Sure, or the Instagrams. What are those? Well, they've got the nobreaking.com mm-hmm. would be the website. At no breaking would be Facebook and, and, and that's Instagram. Bra- that's breaking like the brake you would do with your foot in a car, not breaking like you would do if and, you... And breaking tri- and entering. Oh, yeah, or if you like tripped over your laptop cable and knocked a, a vase off of a shelf. Yeah. Something. Yeah, no. Yeah. Breaking, B-R-A-K-I-N-G. Yeah, and then they could also maybe track us down on iTunes, where they might be listening to this, and then leave us a fantastic 17-star review. Yep. And say nothing but great things about us. That's right. Um, and then what else could they find us? Where can they find you, Kyle, in particular? Uh, well, I'm on social media, as is everybody. Um, I'm on Instagram, which is it's Kyle J. Hyatt. And I post a lot of pictures of uh, cars and bikes and cats. Cats, my cats. Yeah. I have three. There are too many. I have too many cats. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter because I have to be, apparently, for my work. Um, and that's at Kyle J. Hyatt as well. So I do a lot of shit posting and uh, retweeting. So look forward to that. Good, good stuff. And if anyone wants to know, Kiwi is also on Instagram. Yeah, she is. She's the official podcast doc of, of No Breaking, and she's so James loud. Literally rescued her off the streets of Long Beach. It was beautiful. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, she's at Kaiju Kiwi. 
K A I J U K I W I Kaiju Kiwi. That's very nice. We try. She's sitting on your lap right now. Still, she is. She's just today, but she's wondering what's happening. Well, that's that's good. I respect it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've got this episode number two is our number one. That's right. And our number one episode is now our number two episode. But they're out concurrently, so we're gonna we're gonna put them out both at the same time, so you can yeah, so get, you can listen a, to us for a feel. And then, and then hear an actual episode with uh, our friend Nick Quarta mm-hmm. and uh, Austin Cabot. Uh, Nick runs Beeline Coffee, and Austin he runs uh, Grid Life and Speed Ventures, a couple of excellent track day uh, companies. And, yeah, uh, Grid Life is also a really killer festival that, that we're hoping to attend maybe in 2018 if we can get the spondulies up for it. That's right. That's exactly right. To put together some shekels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See what we can do. Start saving. A quarter right. a day. Right on. So check that out. Um, and then yeah, uh, hopefully. Uh, you guys are enjoying this, and, and you stick with us for a while. It's going to be a cool uh, experience and, a, and an interesting ride, I yeah. think. Yeah, you guys have fun, and we'll hear from you and talk to you soon. Vaya con Dios. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.